Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Hey everybody, uh, happy, happy Sunday. We are so happy that you could join in us um, and take time with us today. I'm so excited to be with you. If you're new here, my name is Pastor Ruben. I'm the associate pastor here at Christ Uncensored. And if you've been with us and you've been tuning in for quite a while, maybe you're here and saying, what happened to Pastor Ro? Well, we're asking you to keep him in prayer. He actually got injured um, this week and I'm I'm filling in uh, for your uh, regular scheduled program. He asked me if I could preach this week and I jumped at the honor and the privilege to do so so that he could take some time to rest and recover. But if you guys could also just keep him in your prayers and maybe even check in on him, I'm sure he's probably watching now. Just text him in the comments, say, get well soon, Pastor Ro. Uh, but I have a message that I that I truly believe, um, you know, in preparing this. I just felt the Lord's hand on it. And so without further ado, I just want to jump into the message and jump into our two opening texts. The first, we're going to be reading from the message translation of Hebrews 12, uh, verses 2 through 3. And it says this, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And then we move right into 1 Peter 1, verses 6 through 8. And it says, may the thought of this cause you to jump for joy. Even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials, but these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than God, than gold that perishes, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic fate will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. You love him passionately, although you did not see him. But through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime, and immersed in glory. Why don't you guys pray with me um, for this message? <clears throat> God, I, I, I love you and I thank you for this time. I thank you for um, just how, how awesome you are, that even in our unknown moments, even in what feels like um, these last minute um, moments, um, you show up and, and you move so spectacularly. I ask in this message that you will speak to your people and draw them closer to you. In Jesus' name we say, amen and amen. Now, before we get started, I, I, have, to, I have to give some full disclosure here. I have to, I have, to I have a confession uh, to make. Um, it's not easy to admit, guys, but I, I realized this week that I might have a teensy, teensy like it's a little, like a little problem with video games. Like I realized this week I may have some boundary issues with video games, and I may or may not just need to put. Here's what happened. All right, here's what happened. Monday, this Monday, 
I decided to set aside some time to just be for me, for myself. Uh, the first time in six months, I took the time out to have me time, just be with me. I put my phone on do not disturb. I, I only answered um, phone calls or text messages that were truly important. And I just like, just spent time with Ruben and it was amazing. But I wish that I could say that the way that I spent my me time was like having a spa day with cucumbers and just like in a full on robe. And I got in my massage chair and and I did that or, oh, my gosh, guys, I read this amazing book that I've been meaning to read. And it was so good. And like I did, you know, like the usual self care things that you're supposed to do. I I meditated on Headspace. Uh, but apparently the way that I do me time is by playing this game this is not a paid sponsorship i promise <laughs> but i played this game assassin's creed odyssey i jumped in at just the right time too because they released all these um you 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 guys aren't really gamers you don't know <laughs> uh these expansion packs and i'm just out here questing y'all i'm saving people i'm 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 saving lives i'm i'm getting bad guys i'm playing mission after mission i'm traveling all over greece like i am playing this game and i'm loving it i am traveling greece ancient greece and it looks beautiful like my mother never ever stops to to watch me play a video game and my mom just sat down and she's like wow it looks so nice the mind wow the mind of the person to create that like i just wish that like i could see the behind the scenes of how they make this game because that is just it's just so big like look you're on a boat and you're traveling like even my mother like i'm out here like this game is crazy and i'm just playing mission after mission and you know like when you binge watch a show and you're like let me just watch one more episode. I'm here playing one more mission. And, and after every mission, I'm like, the plot just thickens, right? So I'm just like, I, well, I need to know what happens now. What's going to happen next? And just like when you're watching a Netflix show and it's like you're on season one and you're just like one more episode, maybe one more episode. And before you know it, you're on season five in a day and you don't know what happened. Well, that's kind of what happened to me. And as I'm playing this game, I start to notice that the sun is coming back up and I'm like, but the sun was here when I when I started. What uh what 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 must have what what happened? And I look at the time, y'all, and I'm I'm a I'm not ashamed to admit that I may have played video games all day Monday up until like the next day into Tuesday. But here's the thing, here's what I learned. I learned the lesson. One. I need, I need to set timers with video games. I have portion control problems and your boy needs help. And you guys have to tell Dyron and Zap to stop enabling me. But other than that, I learned that in six months during this season, it was the first time that I had genuine time to myself and I wasn't focused on the news and everything that was happening. And it'd been the first time that I just, I really rested and had time with my own thoughts. And I just feel like in, in six months, I haven't truly done that. And I, I think the same for all of us. Like, I feel like we've just playing, been playing defense with life, looking around the corner, not knowing what's happening next, not knowing what's gonna 
go on and and worrying about more sidestepping the next issue that life is going to throw at us and parrying what might be coming our way and reacting to so much that is happening around us that we haven't had the time to reflect and rest and this monday felt so good and honestly as i was putting this message together the message that i have in my heart to preach is so um what i believe is pertinent to this time it's called stay tuned one day i will preach it and it's called where do we go from here and it's a full um it's it's a full message that i'm working on to speaking into this season just as pastor Rowe has been talking about the times that we are living in how how to deal with the racial inequality that's being exposed around us where where do we go from here and, and that is the message that was on my heart but more and more as i i preached this I, as i worked this out and got ready to preach i felt like the lord was pressing on my heart that we need to hit the pause button for a second on the world on the noise around us and on all the life all of life that is happening and just rest and as these scriptures say fix our eyes on jesus see i selected these verses specifically because they're so applicable to the time we are in they both tell us to focus on jesus but not in a they're not saying because i feel like it's so easy to say that just focus on god and say that in a way that ignores what is happening and dismisses oh just don't worry about it focus on god and that i don't want anyone to hear that that is my heart or what i want to do today no these scriptures say to focus on jesus in spite of what is happening while there is chaos around you you can stop and fix your eyes on jesus the that chapter in hebrews comes just after the writer lists gives a litany of people who were persecuted uh, um, and even martyred for their faith in jesus and he says let's fix our eyes on jesus who despite what was going around him was able to focus on his purpose and, and this next the the next scripture in first peter it, it says that though even though you have been put had to put up with the grief of many trials he says he then and he, so they're they're in the midst of something and he's writing to to exiles who are going through it but in the midst of that he says you are focused on jesus that you love him passionately although you did not see him but through believing in him you are saturated with ecstatic ecstatic joy indescribably sublime and immersed in glory that in the midst of your trials that you've been able to be saturated with joy why because you've been fixing your eyes on jesus and that's what i want to do today i want us to come together and not ignore the chaos around us but in the midst of the chaos i just want us to focus on god's goodness focus on his his kindness his mercy and his his characteristics the qualities of god that's actually um gonna be my sermon title i'll give it to you in just a moment but that's what i just feel is on my heart to to, to talk about really for me my personal favorite qualities of jesus 
but you might have some of your own and I want to hear those in the comments or I want to read those in the comments and even when we post on social media I might miss some comments because we are streaming live but even when we post the recap let's see what your three personal favorite qualities of Jesus are what is it that draws you closer to him what is it that that compels you to worship him what is it about God that changes you and this is actually my title I wanted to make it as fun as possible tell me how I did here I worked on this I went full-on BuzzFeed clickbait so when you share it it should be easy you ready you ready for my title I'm gonna wait I'm just joking I can't read the comments right now <laughs> it is three qualities you ready three qualities of Jesus that will change the way you live your life number one will surprise you <laughs> Three qualities of Jesus that will change the way you live your life. Number one will surprise you. You ready, guys? Um, I want, like I said, once again, I want to hear what your own qualities are. These are just Ruben's personal top three. Uh, and we're going to do this TRL style, like a video countdown. And so we're just going to dive right in. Here we are coming in at number three. It is found. This quality is found at its best shining in Luke chapter 22 verses 49 to 51 and it reads when those with him saw what was happening they said master shall we fight one of them took a swing at the chief priest's servant and cut off his right ear jesus said let them be even in this then touching the servant's ear he healed him Number three, coming in at number three, all-time favorite quality of Jesus that changes my life and that I, I think will change the way you live your life is his patience. We, we see in this moment that Jesus is so patient with the disciple. Like, the time that it takes for someone to say, hey, should we fight and then chop someone's ear is a lot longer, should be a lot longer than the time that it would take for Jesus to say no. But before Jesus can get a word out and even answer the disciples question, who's been walking with Jesus for three years, this is coming in at the end of his ministry, the before Jesus can even get a word out, someone is missing an ear. That's not like, like when I visualize this, that does not look like, hey, should we fight? It looks like this. Hey, should we fight? And dude's already earless. Mike Tyson, straight up, and and Jesus has to be like, no, 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 like chill, like. And if I'm Jesus, honestly, if I'm Jesus, what I want to be like is, have you not been walking with me for three years? When has fighting ever been what we did? Like when? Name a time. How about the time they tried to stone us? Did we run or we fight? We ran. What? When? Who even? Who even gave you a knife? Who? Where? Where? Where you? You got pockets? I didn't even know we had pockets. He's out here. Like, that's what, if I'm Jesus, honestly, if I'm Jesus, disciples don't even make it three years with me. They last a week. And I'm going to be honest, I'm probably left with like one, and it's probably, it's probably going to be Judas, because honestly, up until he betrayed Jesus, he wasn't doing nothing else. Like, he don't, he ain't. He ain't when Jesus said five loaves, he ain't say, how are we going to do this? He just, he just got the baskets. He wasn't Thomas. I would have I not been as patient as Jesus with these guys. He's so patient.
patient with them time and time and time again, knowing they're going to fail him, knowing they're not going to get it, knowing Judas is going to betray him, knowing Peter is going to deny him, knowing all of these things, Jesus is patient with them. And he's not just patient with them, he's patient with his attackers. Like, this guy is here to arrest Jesus, and Jesus takes the time to heal him. On the cross, on the cross, as Jesus is dying, he says, God, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. They just don't even, they just don't know better. And he's patient with humanity's ignorance in the midst of crucifixion. And he's patient with us. He's patient with you and me. Like, I, I make fun of the disciples. I joke about them. But the truth of the matter is, is I have been them so often. Can I do this, Lord? Lord, is this your will? As my knife is already out, cutting so figuratively, figuratively, <laughs> cutting someone's ear. As I am full-fledged, diving into my own will, my own decision, my own call in life, as I have swan dived into Reuben's decisions, I'm like, hey, Lord, by the way, is this, is this what you want me to do? Can you co-sign this? As I've already leapt. And time and time again, he's patient with me. He, he comes around, and, and when I realize the consequences and I realize the error of my own ways, he's there. And he doesn't point a judging finger. He doesn't poke, point a scolding figure, uh, a finger. He doesn't scold me. He's patient with me, and he's been patient with us. He was so patient with us to the point of death. In Romans 3, it says that God sacrifice Jesus on the altar of the world to clear that world of sin having faith in him sets us in the clear God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus check this out finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured this is not only clear but it's right now this is current history currently it's not something he did it's something he perpetually does god sets things right and he makes it possible for us to live in his rightness this is maddening to me that God is so patient, he's healing those who are about to crucify him, and that he patiently endures our failures, our shortcomings. And not only does that, like he doesn't just tolerate us, he doesn't just like us, but then he empowers us. It says, it says that he sets things right and then makes it possible to, for us to live in the rightness. He's not just patient with us in, in the midst of this gap between us and righteousness. He comes in and closes the gap and bridges our way to right standing with him. He makes it possible for us to live in his triumph. And that's why it's one of my, 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 my top three qualities. 
His patience is mind-blowing to me. It's a patience that I don't have for others. It's a patience I sometimes don't even have for my own family members, and it, it changes me. It's mind-blowing. It's inconceivable. And it's just number three. We have two more to go. But number three, one of my top qualities, favorite qualities of Jesus, what draws me closer in worship and what I fix my eyes on him is his patience for me. Number two, coming in at number two, um, it is found in John chapter 11, verses 3 through 35. It says, we're reading from the Passion Translation. It says, when Jesus looked at Mary, he saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her greeting. He shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Tears streamed down Jesus' face. You, you might be familiar with that verse as Jesus wept. But I love the, the poetic way this translation captures that moment, that tears. Like I'm, I'm an imagery, imagery guy, and, and that visualization of tears streaming down Jesus' face at the pain of others because of his compassion for them. And that's number two his compassion like this moment is one of my all-time favorite moments i've actually this was the first um scripture i ever preached on jesus's encounter and his moment with lazarus uh, um what what's happening what's taking place is that a friend of jesus he finds out a friend of his has died and he promises he knows that he's going to resurrect this man he tells his sisters I'm going to resurrect this man. But just before he does, knowing full well the outcome, in this moment, he sees their pain and their brokenness, and he has compassion on them. And he weeps with them. But what I love about this moment and all of the moments I'm talking about today is that they are not these isolated incidents. Jesus was constantly, this is not one moment of compassion. Jesus was driven by compassion. There are so many instances where Jesus' heart breaks for someone. Jesus didn't just heal people. He would step into their pain and their hurt and hurt with them too. As a matter of fact, more often Jesus is concerned with the heart of those he is with than their affliction, than healing their physical ailment. There are moments where someone comes to him for healing. He says, your sins are forgiven and no healing takes place. But the reason he heals is because the Pharisees say, how does he, who does he think he is that he can forgive someone? And just to prove his glory, he chooses to heal the physical. But before he healed the physical, out of his own compassion, he dealt with a man's heart. He said, hey, your sins are forgiven. Whatever failures you've done, whatever shortcomings you have, whatever pain you are dealing with, I want you to know they don't define you. That in this moment, as God, they are forgiven. Before I've even reached the cross, I'm forgiving you now. I'm forgiving you now. And, and it doesn't stop there. Before he, before he raises the son 
um, a son from death. He steps into the pain of that mother and has compassion for her. There's no, I, it took me a while to catch this, but no miracle takes place in Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. There's no miracle. She's not suffering from any physical pain. There's, he doesn't magically make the man that she's living with marry her. There's nothing that happens there but a conversation between him and her, and he reveals her brokenness to her and her hurt. And he tells her that she doesn't need to thirst any longer. He deals with her heart out of his compassion. Scriptures say that he went there and it was out of his way to where he was actually going. And that's all he does there. His compassion. And what's crazy is we don't get to see a lot of the epilogues of people like Jesus healed this person and then what their life looks like afterward. But Jesus doesn't do any miracle, heals the wound inside of her, and we see her testimony with no miraculous thing other than his compassion. This woman is transformed from the inside out. Pastor Ro has preached this before about how she's there with a pot for water. The whole conversation is about her never thirsting again. And after that conversation, she leaves the pot there, that she goes to people and witnesses to them about the change that he did in her because Jesus was driven more by compassion than miraculous signs, than doing miraculous signs. And here he is knowing he's about to perform a huge miracle, knowing he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead, from the dead and his heart breaks for everyone around him. He is so, so compassionate in that moment, but he's compassionate with us. The Bible tells us that he is near the brokenhearted. Hebrew says that we don't serve this God who is devoid of feelings and, and far removed and aloof. In fact, it says that Jesus endured every kind of suffering known to man, every kind of temptation, every kind of hurt, every kind of betrayal. He experienced it. And he sympathizes with us. Any, everything, every pain that you could be dealing with right now, every issue, every burden that you could be carrying, Jesus knows and understands. And he doesn't look at you and say, you should be over this by now. Haven't you learned enough about forgiveness? He doesn't look at his disciples and say, you've been with me three years and you're cutting people's ears. He doesn't look at you and say, how are you still broken? How are you still damaged? Don't you know I'm about to raise this dead thing in your life back to life? Don't you know I'm about to perform a huge miracle? Don't you know my plans are for you or for joy? He doesn't look at you in the midst of your hurting and your pain and tell you you should know better. He actually looks at you and he knows <laughs> on the cross he says forgive them because they don't he looks at you knowing the things he is going to do in your life and takes the time to weep with you he's moved moved by his compassion for you by his emotion by his, um, his emotion for you by knowing your pain he doesn't look at you and say, how are you still here? He comes to you and meets you where you're at and cries with you. His patience, his patience blows my mind. His compassion, it touches 
my heart. But this last quality, guys, it it moves my soul. It moves my soul and it changes me. It changes me so, so much. And it's found in Romans 5, verse uh, 8. It says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we, while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still <laughs> so much to say. There's still so much to say. Let me say it one more time. There is still so much to say of his unfailing, unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. Coming in at number one. And it's going to surprise you because it always surprises me, even when I know that it's the most obvious quality of Jesus. And it's his love. It's his love for humanity. Jesus' love, like, I don't think we can ever get tired, and I'm actually catching this right now. I don't think we could ever get tired of talking about the love of God. That's in my notes. But I'm rereading this verse. And that's my, can we ever get tired of talking about the love of God? Here's the answer. There is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. There is so much to say. And, and there always will be so much to say of his unfailing love. Because his love is magnificent. His love is majestic. And his love is transforming. It's not my love and your love. It's not like that. The word love does it no justice to the quality that we're talking about, but it's the closest word that we can get to when we say the love of God. And this verse encapsulates it, that out of his love for us, he dies. But here's the thing. He doesn't die because we deserve it. Humanity wasn't, it wasn't like humanity had reached such a perfect moment that he thought, here's the time for me to fulfill. No, 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 no. He died when we were lost. He, he died because we were unworthy to make us worthy. And all throughout scripture, you will see this. It is made abundantly clear that he died for humanity because humanity was depraved, because we were lost. And, and I, I can't stress this enough. It, it took me so long to fully understand. But our role in this, our ancestors are Gentiles. We're outsiders to this. Like, we're, we're not the Israelites. When, when you look at the history of God and humanity, it's this. Adam and Eve dropped the ball. Then humanity as a whole continues to choose sin over God, to choose their own will over God. At the Tower of Babel, the entire is where the entire population of humanity disperses. And the way that the verse is written, it's written with this tone that in that scattering, there's kind of this turning our back to, to, to God and, and essentially saying, deuces, we're going to go our own way and do our own thing. And it's in that moment that God calls Abraham. And that's how we get the Israelites. And people teach that, scholars teach that the whole purpose of God calling Israel was for Israel to be a testament of God's glory to the world to draw him near. But Israel draws more near to the world time and time again. 
but our role in the story is that our our side of humanity said we don't want this like israel israel dropped the ball a bunch of times but at least they were in the game we we opted out and even in in my present and even in present life like even if our ancestors didn't i surely know that i have given up on god so often in life but before i ever made the choice to give up on jesus before i ever made the choice to reject jesus he fully adopted me as his son that no matter how many times i turned down the rsvp no matter how many times i turned i turned down the invite the seat was always there for me and he died to give me a seat at the table even when humanity said we want no part in it he created a way when we were outsiders and adopted us as sons and why why did jesus do this what what's the whole reason <laughs> it says because he because he loves us it says that because he loved us he died for us And there's still so much more to say of his unfailing love. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. And that's crazy to me. That it's his very love and death for us that puts us in right standing with him. That even though humanity turned their back, he reconciled us back to him. And it's the same love. It's the same love that changes me. It's the same love that changes us. It does something to us on the inside. It rids me of the things that I think I struggle with. But really, coincidentally, I only happen to be struggling with them when I'm not saturated in his love and I'm not spending time in his presence. All of these things that are struggles only manifest when his love is not present in my life. It's his love that changes me. And that's why it's number one, and, and I'll never stop talking about it. Because it's just so undeserved. And he gives it to us. And then, it makes us, makes me and you, able to become who we're called to become. Who we know, who I know that he says I am. And not what the pressures of this world tell me I ought to be. Not what the pressures of this world make me feel like. Not what, what my, my own inner competition and voice says that you're 26 and you should be here. And His love empowers me, empowers us to be who he created us to be. And that's what I want to focus on today. His patience his compassion, his love. In the midst of the calamity that is around us, I want to focus on the love that transforms us. 
I want to focus on the compassion. I want that patience. I want to fix my eyes on his patience that gives that is patient with me when I might have the wrong response with someone because of the things that are happening, when, when I might be discompassionate to someone else, the patience with me, when in my shortcomings, when I realize everything that is happening, when I might even realize my own prejudices that I might have, when I might be discompassionate towards someone else doing what they think is right, when I might be discompassionate to someone else's brokenness, he is compassionate with me in that very moment, in my own shortcomings. When the chaos gets the best of me, his love pierces through it. And that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on a love that's going to transform me. It's going to transform you. And it's going to transform this world. And what I want you guys to do today is allow, reflect on those three things. And, and maybe even your own personal three. And allow them to draw you into worship allow them to focus allow them focus on them and allow them to transform you and allow, and and use that in your worship what i what i love about first peter the, our opening verse is is that it says it says that you jump for joy even though you've had to put up with grief why are we able to do that? Well, he says that. It will re your faith will result in even more praise when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. You love him, although you did not see him, but through believing in him. What happens when we fix our eyes on Jesus? What happens when we believe in him? What happens when we put our faith and trust in him? We are saturated with ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime, and immersed in glory in the midst of of the chaos, the frustration, the injustice, the pain that we are dealing with. We just need to take the time to pause and reflect on his own goodness and allow that to empower us. I'm going to be honest, I have not made the best choices during this entire scene, season, all of the things that have happened have not made the best choices. I have found myself dealing with bitterness towards people, saying, how could you say such things? How could you believe that? How could you? And then I've dealt with the guilt of, you're a pastor, you should love everybody, and how are you going to put someone down for? <laughs> but his patience has met me every time. His compassion has met me every time. His love has met me every time. Allow it to meet you today and allow it to pour into your worship. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.